Good Shepherd Sermon for Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Pastor Paul Talberg. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior Jesus. We want to make him known to others so that they too may share the joys that Jesus has won for them. Here's Pastor. In the name of Jesus Christ, my dear friends and fellow believers, this is what God says, and we're going to be looking at this for our sermon today. From Mark, which is the Gospel, chapter 1, starting with verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. Since they were fishermen, Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat mending the nets. Immediately, Jesus called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our defender. Amen. Before we look at this, there's going to be a number of sermon texts coming up in the Gospel of Mark, and they're going to be dealing with the disciples. It will be helpful for you to be aware of the culture of Jewish believers waiting for the Messiah way back in Jesus' day. In our day here in America, if you have a little child and the child is really, really smart and really, really good at all sorts of stuff, you're kind of hoping, man, I hope he becomes a doctor. I hope he becomes something really cool in, in business and makes a big name for himself. I'm hoping he, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. The Jewish people were looking for the Messiah. They had been looking for the Messiah for centuries after centuries after century. And so what happened is they were hoping that their child, the brightest and the best, would go to a little rabbi school, that the rabbi would say, hey, you're a really smart kid, and then get him into a training program so he could become a rabbi at a synagogue somewhere so that he could teach people to get ready for the Messiah. That was their highest thing. So if you're going to rabbi school and you're not quite there yet, then you would do the second thing. Second thing was you would go back home and back then, you learned a trade from your father to carry on the family business. I want you to think back to what God's word you just heard. As Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat mending the nets. So right away you know, just from the reading here and the culture of the day, that Peter, Andrew, John, and James were not the Ph.D.-level students that we like to have around us. 
They were good. They were hardworking. They honored and respected their father. But, you know, they weren't good enough to go into rabbi school to become a synagogue guy to, to teach people about Jesus coming. Oh, man. You need to know that about these guys. So they came from a place that undoubtedly they knew who Jesus was. Undoubtedly their parents had told them many of the Old Testament Bible histories that your children know. It's just that, man, they just they couldn't quite get all the fine details that would be connected with having to lead God's people in a worship service or in a Bible study. So there they were doing what they're supposed to be doing. Notice that they did not ask Jesus to come to them. Keep that in mind, the whole thing. Jesus had been out preaching the same message that John the Baptist had been preaching. Repent, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, the kingdom of God is near. Repent. What does repent mean? Repent means, I see what I'm doing is wrong. It dishonors God. It harms his reputation. It hurts me. It hurts others. And I'm turning away from that to the living God and asking for his mercy. That's all in the word repent. If you're thinking more, you'll say, well, wait a minute. The Bible says that by nature I'm dead in my sin. I can't do anything to come to God. So when God tells me to repent, how in the world is that going to help me? I see my sin. That's all what we're looking at today. It's the amazing word of the living God. It has a power in it that it's just amazing, just absolutely stunning. Because God's words come right from God and his heart through whoever's speaking, and it affects people. And it changes them. Think back to some of the miracles of Jesus. Jesus spoke his word, and things happened. Water turned to wine. Leprosy vanished. A cold that Simon Peter's mom had been dealing with was gone, and she was restored to health. Lazarus, who had been dead and rotting in a grave for a week, was brought back to life. Jesus didn't sprinkle any water on him. He didn't do any special dances. He didn't lay any crystals around him. He spoke his word, and it happened. We serve a God whose word created the universe. He just said, let it be, and it was. We're still finding things that God created on that first week. I'd like to share that with my children and my grandchildren that Last year, they found two brand new animals. They've always been there, but just, we never knew about them. God created them way back when. That's the God we serve, the God who has all power in heaven and on earth. And now notice that this God, who was announced by the angels and worshipped by the wise men, we just got through doing that at Christmas time, this God is now grown up, and he's walking along the Sea of Galilee with that good news, repent, believe the gospel, and what does he do? At the wrong time of the day, when these guys are bone tired and they're fixing their nets, getting ready for another day of work, Jesus comes in and he inserts himself into their life. They don't ask him to come. 
They don't say, oh, Lord, I'm having a difficult time. Please come into my life right now. No, they do not invite Jesus into their life. No, Jesus inserts himself, and he says, I see you. First of all, he sees, follow me. I'm telling you, when I was at the seminary, this is one of the the things that they really stressed that we understood, and this is one of the texts that our teacher went to. The simple words of God, follow me. It makes no sense. How in the world could that change anybody? How in the world? Well, what happens is, when you look at this, you find out that God wants you to be confident in his word, so he tells you what happens when you use his word. He said, follow me. Right in the middle of work, right in the middle, they're all tired, and Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishes of men, and they left it all and followed him. Then he goes to the next guys. On the, he approaches them. They don't approach him. He approaches them, and he says, follow me, and they do. And they left their family and all the business behind. What in the world's going on? Jesus has a plan. And it's not a business plan. He has no place for them to sleep at night. He can't guarantee what they're going to eat for dinner. Doesn't know where they're going to lay down. He has no idea who's going to hand out the flyers for the next event that they're going to come to. All they're doing is they're trusting that he has a plan and he's calling them to follow him, and he is going to lead them to be fishers of men. Huh. Repent and believe the gospel. Simple message. Repent and believe the gospel. Nowadays, people are saying, well, you know, you, you got to add some more to the, the word of God than that. You have to uh, uh, either dress in a suit or dress in a robe. You have to be in a building you know, or on, on cushy pews instead of chairs. You have to have music. Beautiful music, by the way. Thank you, Al. You have to have a place to amplify the music. Thank you, Andy, for making sure that it all works. You have to have lights that work. Thank you, Ron, for overseeing all the stuff with the physical building here. But none of that was laid out for the disciples. He did not tell them, oh, by the way, in the future when you follow me, People are going to hate you because they hate me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to crucify me. They're going to nail me to a cross because you guys sinned. And the people you're reaching sinned. And sin offends God. So that's the message we still preach. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent means recognize that what you are doing at the time you are doing it is a sin against God. And it hurts other people as well. And it hurts me. So if you're dealing with a false idol or a superstition, recognize that you are dishonoring God. If you're dealing with the fact that, well, I really don't like to read my Bible anymore. I just, it's kind of old hat. You're dishonoring God. Remember that when you dishonor your parents... You're dishonoring God who gave you your parents. And when you're treating your children like dogs or slaves, you're dishonoring God who gave you children for a short time so that you could help them get to know him better. 
If you treat your life as if it's yours to do with as you want and your body's your own, thank you very much, and you have no right telling me, well, God says, I do have a right. I gave you life. I knit you together in your mother's womb. So I have control over your life, and I want you to be blessed. So I put a little barrier around my gift of marriage. I made sure that your possessions are yours. I want you to take care of them. And your neighbor's good name, do not go cutting down your neighbor. Don't be passed around slander. Don't be bad-mouthing your neighbor because I have given them a good name. When they come out of the, into, the, into the world, they have this wonderful gift of a good name. Don't ruin it for them. And the world around you is going to be grabbing you and trying to get you away from me. God says, be content. So when you look at your life, as I look at my life, what happens is those words of Jesus, they, whoo, that hurts. Jesus is stepping on my toes, and that hurts. And you kind of want to back away, and Jesus says, don't, don't back away. Come closer. And look at what I did with your sin. I knew all about your sin. I knew all about your, your mind and your mouth. And I went to a cross and I took all that stuff away with my own lifeblood. You need to understand how much I love you, God says. That's the gospel, the good news. That there's nothing in me that I give God every reason to throw me away. And God says, you know... I love you. I sent my son to rescue you, and he did what he set out to do. So that's our job, is to tell people around you, hey, I have this wonderful good news, and I need the good news just like you do. Because I notice that you're going out every night getting drunk, or you're watching all those dirty shows. Or you're hanging around people who just love to spread slander around people. I'm noticing that you really dishonor people. I, I have the cure for that. Because God wants you in heaven just like he wants me in heaven. And God sent his son and he died for me and he died for you. You can tell that to every person on the planet. If you go back to that reading from Corinthians, it says Christ died for all took the sins of all. It says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Immediately they followed him. They followed him. They followed him. They followed him. And we say, well, oh, that's, that's nice, Pastor, but um, you're, not, you're not Jesus, Pastor. No, I'm not. Jesus is the only one who was without sin. But I'm someone that Jesus picked and called to say his word to his people. Just like God is telling you right now to say his word to people. Well, does it work? I mean, my goodness, Pastor, does it work? If it works, how come every Sunday is not like an Easter Sunday, packed to the gills? How come every Sunday is not like a Christmas where you have to set up chairs? I'm not in charge of the results. God puts me in charge of one thing, Follow him. 
as I'm following him, he says, oh, by the way, I need you to tell people about me. So I tell him. And then with that word, God does amazing things. And you and I were left like, man, maybe, maybe I have to tone this down. Maybe I can't talk so bad about sin. Maybe I have to be more like the world and kind of change things around a little bit. Maybe, uh, maybe pastors should come up with, with shorts and a T-shirt. No, you don't want to see me in a T-shirt. Maybe pastors just come up, uh, you know, maybe in a chair. Or something different. Maybe not have such heavy hymns or maybe different music. Maybe strobe lights, smoke. Maybe a, a rock band, something up here to add to that message to make it work better. Don't follow that lie. Jesus had nothing. He came to them with nothing. And he said, follow me, and they did. He had no business plan. He had nothing to do. He said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Still, the question that we ask is, does it work? I don't see it working, so does that mean it's not working? No, it works. You know how I know it works? Because <laughs> I'm telling you this good news. You know how I know it works? Because you're hearing the good news, and you live lives that show that good news. Well, how does that do that? Because those guys on the Sea of Galilee obeyed Jesus, and they followed him, and you and I are living examples of what happens when someone follows Jesus. See, they grew up, and the Lord used them to write the New Testament. We are here and believers because of what they did, what God did through them with his word. So in Jesus' name, let us live that way this week, confident that God's word works. He'll find the people, and he'll redirect them. We are to give God the word to them. Which brings me to one more thing. When you uh, go ahead in Jesus' life <laughs> and he looks at this huge number of people and he's just one guy and by that time he has 12, 12 men following him, what does he do? Does he beg God for more church buildings? Uh, a better business plan? Does he beg God to, to uh, do this or that or, and maybe make some music or guitars, give, give people something to, to hang on to? Does he beg God for that? No. We're told his prayer. He says, beg the Father to send out more workers. So do that. When you're praying, pray to God. For more workers. When you're looking at your family and your friends who are Christians, look at them with God's eyes. A couple of people in my life did that, and that's the come I'm here because they said, you know, I think sometime you might grow up and be a pastor. You would be a good pastor. Who, who knew? Somebody knew, and God used them to let me know that that was God's plan for me. Be alert to how God uses his word in Jesus' name, so let us live. Amen.